Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor Study. Today's show is going to be just a little bit different than the usual. We're not going to let Tom stand in the pulpit and preach first. Ouch. We're going to do a whole program of questions and answers, some that you have sent in, some that we haven't covered before, ran out of time. So we hope that this will help you and give you a little bit of an insight into things. Tom, we had a program not too long ago about heresy. Can we go a little bit further about that with the different denominations? Mm -hmm. The ELCA Lutheran Church elected their first practicing homosexual bishop. So was this historic? Boy, was it historic, Jackie. And let's talk about this. In 2009, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America broke with 2,000 years of Christian teaching, and they decided it's okay to engage in homosexual behavior if you're in a loving, committed relationship. So you can be a pastor now in the ELCA if you are living in homosexual sin. That was historic is right. And do you know what has happened since 2009? When the ELCA voted to do that in 2009, that caused the biggest church split in the history of America. More people have left the ELCA because of that horrible decision than any other church split in the history of the United States. And now it gets worse. Recently, the ELCA voted in, in California, their first practicing homosexual bishop. And he rode in the gay pride parade in Hollywood. And the Alaska bishop was in the gay pride parade in Alaska. And Jackie, there's a, a very liberal Lutheran group called Reconciling uh, I, I can't remember, it's the pro-gay lobby in the Lutheran Church, and they said, well, the bishop in California was elected because he's the best man for the job, not because he's gay. Jackie, that bishop has been a pastor two years, and they made him the bishop. Tell me something political is not going on there. You know, Pastor Brock, look back, though, at the ELCA. There was a time period in the early stages of the ELCA where women couldn't be ordained to be ministers. No, that's not quite true because the ELCA came about in 1988. It was a merger of the ALC and the LCA and they didn't ordain women until 1970. So the ELCA has always had women pastors. They've always had yeah. women pastors. Yeah. Okay. Which is contrary to 1 Timothy 2, but that's another show. Okay, so, <laughs> well, I, I guess I just wanted to see if there was uh, something with heresy there that they yes. allow women. Well, I'm glad you bring it up. I, I have left, and Hope Lutheran has also left the ELCA because we're more biblical, I'll say that. So when they're trying to get or, uh, uh, homosexual, practicing homosexuals ordained, a woman pastor says to this group I was at, well, well, we ignored, her point was, she didn't put it this way, we ignored what the Bible said about women not preaching. So why can't we just get over what the Bible says about homosexuality? I said, I don't get over what the Bible says about women preaching. First Timothy 2 says what it says. I mean, she was floored because I think she thought nobody in, in the ELCA believes like I did, but I still did. 
And okay. I'm glad we're out. <laughs> Are there ELCA people that still do believe that it's wrong? But they're oh, yeah. You know, history? Jackie, I think if you would ask most Lutheran lay people, even in the liberal branch of Lutheranism, the ELCA, do you think homosexual behavior is condemned by the Bible? I think you get most people saying yes. Okay. But the trouble is people go to these conventions, tend to be liberal, and they vote that way. So what about God language in the ELCA? Yeah. Well, Christians have always talked about one God and three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. A few years ago, the ELCA Lutherans came out with their new um, cranberry-colored hymnal, they call it, and they desexed the Psalms, so they don't refer to God as a he in the Psalms. They changed the Bible language there. They have a hymn, Mothering God, You Gave Me Birth. And so... Uh, um, yeah, let me share with you from the Lutheran magazine, the official magazine of the ELCA, recent articles, this one called Trinity and Gender, and they're interviewing a woman a professor from one of the ELCA seminaries. She says, God has chosen to reveal God's being as Yahweh. She can't even say the word God himself, it has to be God's being. And she says, God rejoices in being at work as father, mother, sister, partner, friend, advocate. Huh? One Lutheran pastor. I don't see any of those words in the well, Bible. <laughs> one Lutheran pastor suggested baptizing people in the name of the Father, Mother, Son, Holy Spirit, Lover, Friend. This is an ELCA pastor that that, it, that speaks at conventions. She, she's very famous. Um, this article goes on: calling upon God with names that reflect where God chooses to work opens us up to women, girls, sons, grandfathers. They too, with Christ, are the face of God. All right, and another article from the Lutheran magazine. This young woman talks about working at a shelter. Throughout the course of my faith life, I've struggled with the issue of apparent misogyny, that means hatred of women, of the Bible, particularly in the writings of Paul. I noticed that everyone at this shelter addressed God in prayer as our mother and father. I still found it deeply uncomfortable to refer to God as mother, but after reading feminist theology and talking with a pastoral friend, I realized how my internalized sexism had, correct, had corroded my relationship with God. Wait a minute. Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven. He did not teach us to pray, our Father and Mother who art in heaven. But the Lutheran magazine evidently thinks they know better on how to address God than Jesus in the Lord's Prayer. That is troubling. Okay, Pastor Brock, where is the ELCA at on evolution? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> In the same awful Lutheran magazine, they have a whole article on evolution. What does the ELCA believe on evolution? Well, here's a, a professor of systematic theology writes the article, and I'm just going to quote a few sentences. There is more than enough evidence for evolution. Given the nature, uh, let's say, evolution can help change our views on God's relation to the world. Truly, evolutionary theory can enrich a Christian understanding of the world and all its complexity. Darwinian evolution can help us rethink our ideas about God. How about letting the Bible rethink our ideas about Darwinian evolution? Does that occur to people at the Lutheran magazine? Very troubling. Ugh. Okay, let's move off of the ELCA. <laughs> How about the head bishop of the Episcopal Church in America? He was in the news lately. She, yeah. She was, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, about a controversial sermon. What happened? All right, uh, you have to be reading Christian, uh, Christians around the world type stuff to get this story. Jackie, this is one of the worst things I've ever read. The head of the Episcopal Church in America, I'm sorry, is a heretic 
by the name of Reverend Dr. Catherine Jeffords Shorey, the very most reverend or whatever they, they call her that. She is very pro-abortion pro rights, she's pro-homosexuality, and she even has likened the Holy Spirit to white buffalo woman of Native American spirituality. So she kind of mixes everything up, trying to look for feminine images of God. Listen to this one. So she preaches a sermon uh, down in South America, and uh, let me just read a couple. You know the story where, Jesus, where uh, Paul the Apostle in the book of Acts casts a demon out of the slave girl so she can't tell fortunes anymore? Here, that's the text she was preaching on. Listen to this. Um, at All Saints Church in Venezuela, she preached on Acts chapter 16. Paul is annoyed, perhaps for being put in his place by the slave girl. He responds by deriving her of her gift of spiritual awareness. Paul can't abide something he won't see as beautiful and holy, so he tries to destroy it. This girl had a demon. He cast a demon out of her. The Reverend Dr. Catherine Shorey thinks that's her spiritual gift. Um, I, it gets Paul thrown in prison. That's pretty much where he's put himself by his own refusal to recognize that she too shares in God's nature just as much as he does, maybe more so. Is this turning this text on its ear? Uh, what would have happened if, to that slave girl if Paul would have seen the spirit of God in her? She had a demon. A demon is not the spirit of God. I mean, this is very close to the unforgivable spirit, unforgivable sin, which is calling the Holy Spirit the devil. And in our responses, this poor slave girl was being exploited by her masters into telling fortunes. God bless St. Paul who cast the demon out of her. Catherine Jefford Shorey thought it was a shame. This is bizarre. You know, she's also, Catherine Jefford Shorey is very, very public that everybody is saved. You don't need to believe in Jesus to be saved. And she's the head of the Episcopal Church in the United States. And demons are real. They're I mean, real and they're and not we, the Holy Spirit. And there are people that have taken training for people Exorcism. to exercise yeah. demons. Yeah. And does the church no longer believe yeah. that that you know, is possible? Not too many years ago, Catherine Jefford Shorey would have been defrocked from being an Episcopal priest. Today, she's the head bishop of the entire church. And I will say to you, if, if you're an Episcopalian, you might want to think of going elsewhere. Okay, Pastor Brock, let's talk we have a new pope too yes and he was in the news just a while ago about a statement that he made about salvation yeah now you know and what was the controversy here's then? the deal the, nobody is better than the catholic church on moral issues on moral issues the the catholic church is right on about abortion homosexuality premarital sex uh, they're really right on but on on salvation issues I have huge problems with the Catholic Church. We're saved by grace alone. We're not saved by doing indulgences or wearing scapulars or et cetera, et cetera. Listen to what the Pope said recently, though. And this is bad. Universalism is the heresy that everybody goes to heaven, whether you believe in Jesus or not. Listen to this. Pope Francis said this recently in a Wednesday sermon. The Lord has redeemed all of us, all of us, with the blood of Christ. All of us, not just Catholics, everyone the Pope told worshipers at morning mass on Wednesday. Father, the atheists, even the atheists, everyone. Francis continued, we must meet one another doing good. But I don't believe, Father, I am an atheist. But do good, we will meet one another there. 
it sounds to me like you don't have to believe in Jesus, just be good and you'll go to heaven. Problem is, nobody's good. That's why we need Jesus. Well, the next day, the Vatican clarified, and they issued an explanatory note on the meaning of salvation. A Vatican spokesman, Thomas uh, Rossica, said, quote, People who are aware of the Catholic Church cannot be saved if they refuse to enter her or remain in her. Francis was clear, says another uh, priest, conservative priest, that whatever graces are offered to atheists, such as they are, are that they may be saved, are from Christ. He was clear that salvation is only through Christ's sacrifice. In other words, he is not suggesting, and some are taking it this way, that you can be saved or get to heaven without Christ. Well, wait a minute. That's called universalism through Christ. That I don't agree with that. Yes, Jesus died for anyone that comes to him and believes in him, but because Jesus died on the cross, that doesn't mean the atheists go to heaven. Because Paul says in Acts 16, the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. He doesn't say, you be an atheist and you'll be saved. You have to believe in Jesus to be saved. And so it's troubling having that come out of the Pope. Mm -hmm. Pastor Brock, you know, uh, we've been talking about these churches and all these changes and that. Um, again, how does... What what religions are you saying now we should be really careful about right. looking yep. at? Let's name them. I will n well, first of all, stay away from the cults. Th those are non-Christian groups that say they're Christians. Mor Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, Unity Church, Christian Science, uh, uh, New Age churches, etc. But, you know, the Lutheran, Episcopal, Presbyterian, these used to be great churches. What happened? They slowly started leaving the Bible. So here's what I would suggest. If Haven't you're a lot of those churches, let me interrupt, mm -hmm. just one question, mm -hmm. branched off into like two different branches yes. or three different branches think, and think they're not under the same right, platform? Right, right. For instance, if you're a Presbyterian Church USA member, I would leave the PCUSA and I would join the PCA, the Presbyterian Church of America. There are conservative, good, biblical Presbyterian denominations, and there's the very liberal, large one. If you're a member of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, I would leave that and I would join the Missouri Synod or LCMC or Word Alone. Or uh, there are in the Episcopal Church now. Uh, I, I couldn't be in the Episcopal Church given Catherine Jefford Shorey, but there's a, an alternative biblical now denomination of Episcopalians. You've got to seek them out, just go to the websites, but uh, that's what you need to do these days, Jackie. It just seems like it's fracturing so badly. Yeah, and you know, Jackie, can, can we bring up one more heresy that's kind of new? Okay. Christians have always believed that, that we are sinners and under God's wrath, but that Jesus comes, dies on the cross to pay for our sins, to save us from the wrath of God so we can be saved. Well, there's a new movement that I, I said this on a previous program, I'll say it again. The Presbyterian Church USA is coming out with a new hymnal. There's a beautiful hymn that talks about Jesus dying on the cross to save us from the wrath of God. Well, the liberal people running the hymnal committee wanted to change that and get rid of the wrath of God. The people that wrote the hymn said, no, it stays, and so they threw it out of their hymnal because liberals don't like the, talking about the wrath of God and Jesus saving us from the wrath of God. Some people are calling that, that Jesus would die for our sins. They're calling that the God the Father is being a, a child abuser by putting his son to death for our sins. Is that sick? What I want to do, if, if you're in a church, and some of the emergent churches are also teaching this heresy. Great book called The Cross in the New Testament by Leon Morris. When I was at seminary, 
One of my professors taught that Jesus did not pay for our sins in our place. So I had to study this. Leon Morris has written a great book. He goes through all the verses in the New Testament that talk about Christ dying for our sins. So that's a new heresy that's springing up that is attacking the cross. Wow. Is that coming out in a lot of the different religions? It, it's, it's becoming, I mean, uh, the United Church of Christ, some of those pastors for sure teach it. Some of the Lutherans, some of the Episcopalians, some of the, and the Presbyterian Hymnal Committee. Okay. All right. We're going to turn our program now to just some questions that people have asked and would like to have you give your opinion, okay. your, your answer. So what did Jesus look like? Mm -hmm. Did he really have a beard? That would be my first uh, question. All right. And you know... I mean, isn't it amazing? The Bible never describes how Jesus looked or if he had a beard. You know, you can take from uh, some people when they read uh, Isaiah 53 that he had no comely appearance. That would make them think that he wasn't super attractive. Maybe that's what it means. I'm not sure. But it never says he had a beard. Uh, and he would have looked like a normal Jew. But isn't it amazing? The Bible never tells us what he looked like. However, Jackie, in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 13 through 16, John has a vision and he sees Jesus. And it is so glorious that he falls on his feet. We know that it's glorious, <laughs> but exactly what he looks like, we don't know. Isn't that, that is interesting. Yeah. I, I'd never really thought that much about it, that we don't really truly know. Mm -hmm. But yet every picture hey, he has a from beard. one painting to <laughs> another, he, he looks with yeah. the beard. And you know, Jackie... Um, if you see Jesus in Chinese churches, he kind of looks Chinese. The Jesus we grew up with in my house, that mom and dad hung a picture at the top of the stairs. He sure looks Swedish to me. <laughs> but anyway. Is it possible to know for sure in this life if one is saved? I think this is hard mm -hmm. for any Christian, mm -hmm. Tom. I mean, you always question because we sin in thought, word, and deed. Mm -hmm. And... How am I going to get to heaven yeah. when I do this right. as a Christian? Yeah. And Jackie, when I was in college is when I came to have what's called the assurance of my salvation. I think I was a Christian before then, but when I came to understand 1 John 5.13, I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And when I came to discover my salvation doesn't depend on me and how good I am, it depends on Jesus that you may know that you have eternal life. Christianity at that point became a joy to me and it changed my life. So Jackie, I know I'm saved. There are days I wonder. There are days I need to take Holy Communion and hear the words shed for the forgiveness of your sins. So I, I love to take communion uh, and, and uh, there are days I wonder if I'm saved but ultimately I know I'm saved because of the promise of 1 John 5.13. But that doesn't mean that we don't sin. No. We, and we try, no, no. you know. But you know what? I think the thing is when you sin, do you, you repent? Yeah. And do you repent? And, or are you living in it? If someone's living in sin, they shouldn't know they're saved because they're not no. <laughs> until okay. they repent. Yep. So which is the one true church or is there a one true church? Mm -hmm. Well, once upon a time, the Lutherans thought they were the one true church. Uh, the Catholic Church still tend to teach they're the one true church. And I, here's my belief. The church is the gathering of people that believe in Christ. So if a tornado hits the church and, and tears all the bricks apart, the church is still there because it's not the bricks, it's the people. And my belief is you've got true Christians in all the denominations 
and you've got false Christians in all the denominations. The, 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 church, uh, the true church of Jesus Christ is invisible. It's made up of any person in whatever stripe of Christianity who truly trusts in Jesus. That's the church. So church is actually the people, though, and that's what we mm -hmm. need to keep in yep. mind. Yeah, it's not a building. What you're saying. Okay. Does God approve of drinking wine? I mean, we've got lots of churches that have quit using wine for mm -hmm. communion, even. Mm -hmm. I don't think anything... I mean, I like a church that serves wine and grape juice. There are some people that, for the sake of their soul, better not taste wine. So to have grape juice available for those people is fine. Jesus did give communion, and it was wine. Some Baptists teach, no, it was grape juice, because wine doesn't mean wine, it means grape juice. No, the Bible says do not get drunk with wine. That word has to mean wine, because you can't get drunk on grape juice. So Jesus did serve wine. I, I, was, I remember our professor teaching us, though, wine was not as strong back then as it is today, so it was a weakened form of wine, but it was still wine. So I, is it a sin to drink alcohol? Um, I don't think it's a sin to have a bottle of beer or a glass of wine. If it affects you, if it starts affecting you, I think then, you, then you're sinning, you've crossed the line. But um, I, I don't think it's wrong to have a drink, but I'd be careful. I'd be careful. I've heard people say, well, Jesus turned the water into wine, and so it must be okay yeah. and use it in that context. Right, and you know, uh, there's some truth there. So I don't want to be a legalist. However, there are people watching this show, and for, they know they can't even have a drink because that'll set them off. And if that's you, God bless you, don't have a drink. Join an AA group, or better, a an AV group, Alcoholics Victorious Christian group that helps people out of that. Okay. Does God require tithing today like he did in the Old Testament? We've talked about tithing, mm -hmm. and it's an Old Testament thing. Yes, and, and I'll say what we said on a prior show. Um, in the Old Testament, the Jew was required to give 10% of his crops to the Lord. In the New Testament, it never reiterates that we have to tithe. Paul's, Paul's principle in the New Testament is give as you prosper. But again, here's my, here's my response to people that want to use that to be greedy. <laughs> if the Old Testament Jew knew this much about God's love and was moved to tithe, now do New Testament Christians who after the crucifixion, we know this much about God's love. Are we going to be moved to give more or less than the Old Testament Jew? And I think the answer is more. But there's prosperity ministers out there that are preaching that we have to give more in that. And so, I mean, where is the line in between mm -hmm. that they're mm -hmm. wrong? And Well, the prosperity preachers that the health and wealth gospel basically teaches, you send us money, you're going to get healed. And, uh, Jackie, some of that's a scam, I'm sorry, but it's just there's one preacher in particular who I am praying God will get off the air because all he talks about is you sow a seed gift into this ministry, you're going to reap your miracle. It's evil. Yeah. Why don't most educated people believe in the Bible? The I mean, read, all right. it's highly educated people refuse to accept yeah. the Bible. Yeah. And here's my response. The reason most educated people don't believe in the Bible is the same reason most uneducated people don't believe in the Bible. They don't want to have to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. It's not an intellectual thing. It's a will thing. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a good there answer. Go. I like that. I mean, Jackie, can I tell you a story? Dr. John Stott, brilliant Christian, preacher in England, has his 
college student come back from college, well, Dr. Stott, I don't believe in, in Christianity anymore. Uh, it doesn't, there's no proof for Christianity. So Dr. Stott, who's rather brilliant, starts taking him through the, you know, the archaeology or whatever, some of the evidences of the Christian faith. No, no, there's got to be a different explanation. Finally, Dr. Stott says, you know, young man, if I could prove to you beyond the shadow of a reasonable doubt that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, would you believe in him? And the young man thought a moment. He said, no. And Dr. Stott said, your problem is not a matter of the intellect. It's a matter of your will. You just don't want to because you know it will have to change your life. That's why most people don't come to Christ. Oh, that's a good answer. Yeah. Does the devil rule over hell, Pastor Brock? Or, and I guess the second part of that question is, is he there now or is he still? Yeah. First of all, the devil is not in hell yet. He's thrown into hell at the end of the book of Revelation, at the end of time. Right now, the Bible says Satan prowls around on earth as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Therefore, resist him, firm in your faith. <clears throat> so the devil's not in hell yet. Why do people think he is? Um, because of cartoons, <laughs> Bugs Bunny cartoons. <laughs> or, and, and you know the other thing, Jackie? The, the Bugs Bunny cartoons has the devil ruling hell. It never says the devil rules hell. My guess is when the devil is thrown in hell, he won't have first place. He'll have last place in hell. Do, do you think there will be a hierarchy in I, hell? I don't know. I think people will just... <laughs> yeah, they'll just be an... Inter Bible. Jesus calls it... You know, some, I, get, I get letters from people that don't believe Christians. I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in eternal hell. I write them back. Then please explain to me Jesus' parable at the end of Matthew where, people talk, where Jesus talks about the righteous going into eternal life, the unrighteous going into, and this is Jesus talking, eternal punishment. Well, I think we have time for one more question before we end the show. But uh, as long as we've talked about hell, and this is a question that's come up a lot of times in our show mm -hmm. from people, mm -hmm. is... Will we know our loved ones in heaven? I think we will. Because Jesus said, you will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God. And I'll know that was Abraham. And I've never seen Abraham, but somehow I'll know that was Abraham. So how much more if I see my Christian grandma, somehow I'll know that's grandma. I think we will know our loved ones in heaven. And see, you won't I, be married to your love. You know, you won't be married to your husband in heaven. Jesus said, you don't get married in heaven because you don't have to repopulate because nobody dies. But, but the, isn't the common thing that people fight that is that if you get to heaven and don't see someone yeah. that you will not be happy and you'll God be grieved and you know God has a way of overcoming everything I don't know how that works but we'll be joyous in heaven well Tom we've only got 45 seconds mm -hmm. left you're going to give your update yes. on where our ministry is going yeah. today everybody pray for us uh, if we um, don't get a certain amount in and it's twelve thousand dollars per month to do our national show now we're going to have to can the national uh, program. So just we ask you to pray for us. If the Lord nudges you to, to uh, help, you go to pastorstudy.org or look at the address at, at the end of this program. Go to pastorstudy.org to watch our TV shows anytime you like. They're all for free. So God bless you and pray for us. And we'll see you next time on the Pastor Study. We pray that God would grant you his richest blessings until we're all together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.